Hey, hi, uh, I am Richard Donner, but you can call me Dick, and you're listening to Superman Movie Minute. Is that right? Did I do it right? Hello and welcome to another exciting episode of Superman Movie Minute, the show that scrutinizes, analyzes, and you'll believe a man can flies the Christopher Reeve Superman movies five minutes at a time. Proud member of the Fire and Water Podcast Network, I'm one of your hosts, Rob Kelly, and joining me as always on this journey through time and space is... Chris Franklin. Hey Chris, uh, I think it's safe to assume that this is an episode that uh, neither one of us ever wanted to have to do. Right, definitely. Yeah. Uh, of course, if you looked at the show notes, uh, you know that we're here to talk about Richard Donner, the great Richard Donner, who passed away at age 91 on July 5th of this year. And we have been talking through the course of doing the Superman movie minute shows. Uh, we have lost uh, several cast members uh, over the years, you know, and it's it's been it's a sad thing to watch. We lost Margot Kidder. Yep. And we lost Ned Beatty recently. And every time that's happened, we've taken a moment to pay homage to people that have been such a big part of the Superman legend, specifically the Christopher Reeve Superman era. But we felt since it's Richard Donner uh, that we should probably do a whole show just having just expressing some thoughts about uh, this extraordinary uh, director, this great man, this wonderful career that he had. And, you know, one of the things that, that was, that was said on Twitter and, and the problem is that it's true is that without Richard Donner, without his specific decision that he made to, to jettison the original take of Superman, which was this campy Batman 1966 style thing and to treat it for real, to treat it, as he said, like it was mom and apple pie, that it was like the American flag, and you don't kid around with that. Without that decision made by him that nobody was asking him to make, we would be living in a very different landscape when it comes to superhero movies now. Oh, yeah. I, I, yeah. I mean, I mean, Kevin Feige has, who was at one time an assistant to Richard Donner, has stated that it is the template that they follow for the Marvel movies. And, uh, you know, we are awash in the goodness of the, <laughs> of the Marvel movies. Right. Yeah. Uh, and um, it, it's, yeah, it would be a totally, the, the films, films themselves because of that alone would be a totally different landscape at this point. Some people might argue, maybe they'd be better off because there's some people, not us and not most of the people yeah. listening <laughs> to our podcasts, uh, but some people, Martin Scorsese, uh, and other people <laughs> don't particularly care for those type of movies, right? Uh, or the fact that they've become so prominent. Uh, but they are built on that very foundation that Richard Donner made and the decisions he made for how he was going to make Superman the movie. Uh, that's why the Marvel Universe, that's why Black Widow just opened and and, and as we record this and has gone over really well. Uh, that's why we get all these, 
everybody's just got done watching Loki and everybody, I mean, all that stuff, you know, it wouldn't, it, 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 we wouldn't be having that right now. If, if Richard Donner hadn't got the script that day and uh, you know, and was going over it and just go and, and get with Tom Mankiewicz and fly around in this backyard with a cape on and, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> love that story and, 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 and convince him, we got to fix this. We got to do it right. We got to do it right. You know, those two guys at, at, at Donner's insistence turned this thing around and that's why we've got the, the modern superhero movie we've got today. Yeah. I mean, if you look at any sort of comic book uh, adjacent movie uh, that came out after the Batman series ended, but before Superman, they're all borrowing from the Batman 1966 kind of playbook. You know, mm-hmm. like Doc Savage, Man of Bronze. And I like that movie. It's a fun movie. Mm-hmm. But it's it's total camp. And yeah. you can see that just filmmakers, they just didn't realize that you could even do superheroes any other way than yeah. the Batman TV show. And then, you know, of course, Chris and I both love the Batman TV show. But, it, it you know, we didn't want to see that replicated uh, forever uh, in, in, you know, when superheroes are con- turned into live action. But it feels like every filmmaker was like, well, we can't take this seriously because this isn't worth taking seriously. And then you've got Richard Donner deciding to make that decision. And again, the reason so I, I, we talk, we've done, talked about this in, in other episodes, but the reason like, I harp on it so much is that it wasn't like anybody was asking Donner to make that decision. No. You know, I mean, the studio was like, all right, we're okay with this script. And the Salkinds were kind of okay with the script. And obviously Mary po- Mario Puzo was okay with the script. So, I mean, Donner, who was now, by the way, uh, and we'll talk about his career, uh, Richard Donner's career uh, in depth a little bit shortly. Most people think that Superman was his second film. Uh, It's not. He actually uh, directed three uh, feature length theatrically distributed movies before he ever got to The Omen. The Superman is actually his fifth film. But those three earlier films were kind of these programmers and he was sort of a work for hire guy. And so when, by the time he gets to Superman, yeah, he's got a genuine hit on under his belt, the omen, but he was not like you mentioned Martin Scorsese, you know, yeah. <laughs> he was not George Lucas. He was not, or somebody of an older stripe who had a little more heft. He, if he had wanted to, he probably could have just gone along and shot what was handed to him, but he right. recognized the value of Superman and that, and the value that the character held in the public consciousness and realized if you make fun of it, you're pro- you know, you're, the audience is not going to go along with you. And so, it's, again, it really hinges on that single decision, which is just, uh, just amazing. And, uh, and we'll talk about this uh, later on. Of course, part of the reason that we are uh, even more enamored of him than we normally would be is that we got to talk to him. Yes. We got to talk to him. And, I mean, uh, well, you know what, Chris, you want to talk about that stuff first? Why don't we jump to that? Why don't we talk about how, how that all came about? For anybody who wasn't listening, because it was kind of an amazing thing, was that we got this notion of uh, of, of trying to say, well, maybe we could, you know, get Richard Donner on the show because I mean, he gives a lot of interviews, and unfortunately, with Christopher Reeve having passed, it kind of fell on Donner to sort of be the the permanent talking head when it was anybody wanted to talk about Superman because yeah. of course Reeve wasn't around anymore. And so we got this and through a, a, a mutual friend who uh, asked to remain nameless, gave me the contact information uh, for his assistant, for Mr. Donner's assistant. And you and I hashed this out and we were kind of figuring, well, look, if we ask him to talk about Superman, 
he might say no because, you know, the guy's like in 88, 89 years old. He's got better things to do with his time than to talk to two nerds about <laughs> Superman for the 95th time. So maybe we could ask him about something that he's never asked about. And we decided let's ask him about the film he did after Superman, which was this small film called Inside Moves. And we thought that would make for an interesting, interesting conversation to kind of juxtapose, you know, the fact that he, he went from this, the biggest of big films to this small personal film. And so one day we wrote uh, Donner's assistant uh, an email, not expecting anything. And like about two hours later, she wrote back and said, I talked to Dick and he'd love to do it. <laughs> and I, you know, I can remember getting that email and like, man, I practically vibrated into another dimension. I went so fast <laughs> letting you know, Chris, that we had just booked Richard Donner. I, I couldn't believe it. I, and all that's true. The only thing that's, that's slightly untrue is that you did like 90% of the heavy lifting on all that. So I was just, I wrote an email, Chris. It was hardly, I know, but this was like, you was your idea to, because I hadn't seen inside moves, but you had. And so you're like, this is a great movie. And, uh, and you, and, and we found out that was Richard Donner's favorite film he ever made. Right. Uh, and, and that's what his assistant said. And we're like, Holy cow. And I mean, it just obviously struck a nerve with him that, Oh yeah, I'd love to talk about that movie because like you smartly thought nobody had, ever asked him about it. They're always asking him about Superman or the Goonies or the Omen or lethal weapon. And, and uh, you know, and, and nobody ever asked him about that. So, but yeah, I mean, I was just, it was one of those surreal, surreal moments that you just like, I, I, okay, is this, it, it, did that just happen? And is it going to happen? You yeah, know? <laughs> yeah. And for a while we weren't sure that it was because obviously coordinating with his schedule uh, was difficult, and because of he was in California about when he could do it, and it, and it there was a bunch of times where he gave us a date and then he had to change it, yeah. and and of course because of the time frame, like I had to, I I had just started a new job and I it required me on a couple different times to leave work early so I could get home, and there was one point where we were literally going to do it, and then on the drive home, I got the email saying, "Can we reschedule?" And yeah. I was like, "Oh my god." And then, of course, and then we actually got uh, really close a second time. And then the day before, Margot Kidder passed away. Yeah, uh, which was awful in and of itself. And just on a purely selfish, uh, you know, selfish uh, mode, uh, we were like, "Oh no, is this gonna? Is he gonna?" And of course, they wrote to us and said, "Dick is very upset because he was, you know, very close with Margot. Obviously, can we reschedule again? Of course, we can." Yeah. But there was a point where I was like, "Is this really gonna happen?" And then we locked in a day and we said, all right, we're going to do it at like 5.30 our time. And we did it. And we did it. And, you know, he could not have been nicer. He no. could not have been nicer to us. I mean, it was just ridiculous. This is a man who worked with Marlon Brando. This is a man, <laughs> you know what I mean? I mean, this is a guy, this is the guy responsible for, for the, he's great. The, the, one of the great superhero, one of the great, sci-fi action adventure movies of all time. And here he was telling us to call him by his first name. You know, he's like, yeah. call me Dick guys. I, I, my father is Mr. Donner. Call me Dick. I'm like, I can't call you. I can't call you that. Now, come on. And by the fact that, uh, you know, the, the show, every episode post that interview with, with him starts off with the little promo he recorded for us. That's how comfortable we were around him because I, you know, I've done some celebrity interviews and you, you have as well. And, you know, sometimes when you're interviewing somebody, you're, you're wondering like how 
much can I ask of them? You right. know what I mean? Yeah. And there have been people I've interviewed who I don't feel like, oh, maybe I wouldn't, maybe I'm not too comfortable asking them for this extra favor. But he was so warm and so friendly and was so gregarious and willing to sort of, I mean, laughed at our jokes and, and, and talked about our observations that feel like they had, you know, some real merit where he even said, oh, I never thought of that before, which is amazing. And so we asked him to do that promo. And, you know, I feel like I will never, no matter what, achievements I reach in podcasting, I will never quite top that moment of hearing <laughs> Richard Donner say our show name. You got to direct Richard Donner. I got to direct. I mean, that's, <laughs> that's nuts. That's nuts. Yeah. I, I mean, you know, we, we, and of course we've jokingly said our friend, Dick Donner, our good friend, you Dick, know, Donner, yeah. our good friend Dick Donner, but he, he, we felt like that. I mean, it, it felt yeah. like Dick Donner. And, and I know you, you know, we corresponded back and forth with his assistant and she's relayed messages to him. And, and so it felt like we were kind of, you know, I mean, obviously, you know, uh, we, we kept in a, you know, in contact, we did, you know? we did. We went to every year, we write him a happy birthday. Yeah. You know, I, yeah, we made sure to just keep it up and just say, Hey, we're, you know, uh, they're, they're this or happy. In fact, there was the point where I was going to go to Los Angeles. Uh, I was hoping I could go out there to the, to his company to see him. And she actually said, let me see if he'll be in town. If he'll be in town, you could stop by, which like, Oh my God. Now, unfortunately he was not in town, but yeah. just by the fact that she even considered it. Right. Uh, is just, again, like that doesn't, my head can't, what, you know, yeah. like what? Right. Yeah. It's just, it's amazing. I mean, guys, he, he was just, I mean, what you didn't hear in the episode, uh, you know, which there isn't a whole lot that. No, we left out. it pretty much all in. Yeah. Yeah. But it, it, he was a ex- hundred percent genuine exactly the way you always have seen him in interviews and uh yeah when i saw the little remembrance that that uh, steven spielberg uh tweeted out about him about his hearing that that raspy voice you know mm-hmm. and everything it really got to me because i'm just like yeah he you know just that that warm raspy voice you know just like i mean he's just like some it was like some guy you've known for like years and years, you know, and oh, I totally. guess we kind of have, but like we, you know, he didn't know us, but we yeah. knew of him, yeah. but he, he really is that guy. He's the guy you see in the DVD, the, the special features, the making ofs, the commentary tracks. That's him. He's that guy. There's not another two faces of Richard Donner. As yeah. far as we know, that's, there was one and he wore it. Uh, he wore it <laughs> all the time. Yeah, I mean, it really was. Uh, I mean, me getting to tell Richard Donner that my parents took me to see The Omen when I was five, and it scared the living crap out of me. And he was like, how old were you? And I, I said I was five. And he was like, oh, my Lord. And remember he laughed. Yeah, yeah. I mean, just, I mean, I can still remember being in the car with my parents watching that movie it was up in the the Pocono mountains actually so it was a, yeah. a, a mountain comics adjacent story mountain movie mountain movie and uh you know i can still remember that i can remember sitting in the back seat and watching little damien on his little tricycle and he knocks lee remick off the table off no. the hanger and then she's dangling and then he falls i can still remember that and that was 1976 <laughs> and yet here we go flash forward 40 years and I'm able to tell the guy that directed that moment that I was a five-year-old watching that. And I just, that is something that you, you know, you can't, 
I don't know. It's like when you're a nerd, like these things seem to exist in their own, you know, they're real people. Of course they are. But yet when they're there in front of you or at the other end of the side of the microphone, in this case, you just, and they're responding to what you're saying. It just, it's such a head trip. And so it was, you know, it was really such just an amazing honor for us to have him on the show, for him to take our, our little humble little effort seriously. And we did even talk about Superman too. It wasn't like he came into, and there were no rules about what we could ask him about too. I mean, he didn't, they, he, they, they weren't like, just ask about inside rules, inside moves. We talked about inside moves, but then we moved on to Superman and he talked about Superman. You know what I mean? Like it was, he just was, again, it was the dream interview. And I can all, again, I also remember when we finished, you know, we got off with him, ended the recording because I wanted to make sure it was saved. And then we both got back on and we're like, can you believe that just happened? Like we both were kind of like, did that really, we really just did that. Right. We just talked to Richard Dunn. Right. Yeah. yeah. I didn't dream that. Right. Chris. Or, no, I didn't dream it either. It, it was just so utterly surreal. Yeah. It was one of those, you know, those, those pinch me moments that you just, it, it definitely was. And, and, and the nature of the conversation, because it was so, so just casual, it was, he, he was so uh, disarming, you know, just, yeah. it just instantly puts you at ease that it, it just, it's like, did that, not only did that just happen, did it happen the way that we felt like it just yeah. happened, but it's, yeah. rec- it's recorded for posterity. So it's, it's, it's real. <laughs> yeah. It, it remains. And I will say it remains like to me, one of my singular achievements in podcasting. And when I have ever needed to uh, reference my shows in some way for some other thing, the the Donner link is the first one that I use because it's yeah. like, it's, we talked to Richard Donner, you know, for pizza. Right. So yeah. it was just a, just unbelievable. And so having, getting to have that experience with him uh, was just again, life, life changing. So anyway, um, let's talk about his career a little bit. I, 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 some people I saw on Twitter express some surprise um, when he passed away that, that they thought they didn't realize he was as old as he was. He was 91 years old. Um, and if part of it was, he didn't he look had, 91 years old. He didn't look That's 91 at all. And he I didn't mean, act like he was he 91. Didn't act like he, was yeah, 90, he had a real well, joie yeah. de vivre. And, but I mean, his first credit goes all the way back to 1960. That's how early now was a, a episode of Zane Gray theater. Mm-hmm. But I mean, 1960. That's all. That's 60 years ago. He's got directing credits and he did a bunch of TV, did the episodes of the Loretta Young show, Wanted Dead or Alive, Route 66, Wagon Train, The Detectives, The Rifleman. Now, his first film is a 1961 sci-fi movie called X-15 about it's a sci-fi movie about a, you know, a, a, a trip into outer space. And I have not seen this film. I've not been able to track it down, but, um, on the poster, it, it claims that some of the film was actually shot in outer space. Hmm. <laughs> uh, so take that, Tom Cruise. You know, I mean, uh, Richard Donner was there <laughs> 50 years before you, 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 you and the, the Mission Impossible gang came along. So I have not seen that film. And then right after that, he went right back to television and did Have Gun Will Travel, a show called Sam uh, Benedict. He did some TV movies, The Lieutenant. The, he did um, The Man from Uncle, three episodes of Gilligan's Island. Yeah, Perry yeah. Mason. Uh, but we definitely need to highlight his six episodes of the Twilight Zone. Oh yeah, including Nightmare Twenty Thousand Feet with William Shatner, one of the most famous episodes of the Twilight Zone ever done. 
probably the most famous episode of the Twilight Zone. I would I would say that's probably the episode people know more than just about any other episode of the Twilight Zone. And yeah. it, and, it, and it's not just because William Shatner's in it because he's in other episodes of the Twilight Zone. Right. Right. Uh, it's because it's just such a memorable well taught well done story i mean you know and and, and the gremlin and yeah uh, it, <laughs> did you read about i had never heard about this prank that shatner pulled on the set of that did you read about no, that, that no was I don't on, know it was is. on imdb and apparently of course you know on imdb you gotta take it with a grain of salt but i'm, yeah. I'm assuming this is real but apparently like shatner and another a friend of his who was uh uh on the set decided to stage a fight and uh, act like they were li- really getting into a fight on, on the, the wing of the model airplane and, and uh, on the set of the airplane. And it looked like Shatner fell off the plane in the fight. And so Donner runs over and sees that Shatner's thrown a dummy to the concrete floor. And of course he's not dead, but his initial, apparently uh, Donner, who probably was in on it, his initial reaction was, don't tell me I have to shoot the whole show over again. Uh, so, <laughs> so he got one up on Shatner, you know. Uh, but, uh, yeah, and, you know, when when uh, another Star Trek connection, he directed episodes of Lieutenant. That was Gene Roddenberry's show mm-hmm. before uh, Star Trek. Right, so, with DeForest Kelly. Yeah, right. And it had uh, the guy that played Gary Mitchell. Um, yeah. Oh, uh, Gary Lockwood. Yeah. Gary Lockwood. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, uh, yeah, and I mean, you know, just I remember as a kid, I watched a lot of Gilligan's Island uh, growing up. It was on a lot, you know. It was one of one of the shows me and my dad would watch together. And I remember, I never paid attention to directors, and, yeah, no. especially on TV shows. But I knew Richard Donner's name from Superman, you know, and uh, and maybe from the trading cards uh, because you know there is a Richard Donner trading card in the Superman. <laughs> trading card set as we as talked there about. should be as there should be and um it came up richard donner and i'm like richard donner like superman richard donner and then, of course <laughs> i knew richard donner directed the goonies uh you know as well and so i'm just like wow you know then it like opened this whole before you could look it up on the internet it's like richard donner directed tv shows you know i, I had no idea <laughs> so <laughs> yeah when you're a kid you don't know that you don't know that like people can direct TV and movies. You feel like they're two very distinctive things. He also, by the way, speaking of the, we were talking about the Twilight Zone. He directed some other really good ones. He directed um, From Agnes with Love, which is about a guy that falls in love with his computer, which yeah. is a really good one. Um, the Jeopardy Room with Martin Landau. So, I mean, there's some really solid Twilight Zone there. But yeah, he did, he did Gilligan's Island. He did Perry Mason, 12 O'Clock High, Get Smart, The FBI, The Fugitive, The Wild Wild West, um, then he moved on to his second film, Salt and Pepper, with uh, Sammy Davis and Peter Lawford. And that is a it's a quasi sort of spy movie spoof. I mean, it's kind of like a little similar to the Dean Martin, Matt Helm movies. I've seen Salt and Pepper. I actually watched it before we did our interview with, with him because I wanted to have some familiarity yeah, with his other out. work. Yeah, And it's yeah. not a great movie. You could definitely could tell that it's really kind of a, a, a party that they just sort of, you know, were like, let's throw, let's throw a party, guys. And then they just like filmed it. So I'm trying to imagine Richard Donner trying to sort of corral Sammy Davis and, and Peter Lufford. But it's fun in a very mod kind of way. I mean, it's a, the movie ends, the movie, um, when it wraps up, it doesn't say the end. It says it's over. So that's the kind of movie they were talking about. Now, he also directed, after Salt and Pepper, he directed four episodes of the Banana Splits Adventure Hour. 
Yeah, the Danger Island what? segments. Like that? Yeah. What? Yeah, I, I caught that. That's another thing that now I didn't. I I don't. I never saw Banana Splits as a kid. Uh, I saw it when we got the Boomerang Channel uh, back in its early days when they actually, you know, lived up to what they were supposed to do and show old Hanna Barbera shows. <laughs> uh, and uh, they uh, showed the Banana Splits and that Danger Island. It was a live action segment on there. Of course. The, a lot of the banana splits was the, the, the dudes run around in the costumes at Kings Island in Cincinnati, uh, which is the amusement park that we used to go to when I was a kid all the time. But, uh, but yeah, the, he directed those, those segments of that and his name come up and I'm like, Richard Donner directed that. It was another one of those. What? That's going, it's you know, amazing. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it just boggles the mind. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, trying to, you know, working on the sets of, we're going from Sammy Davis Jr working with the banana split. Well, I get it. Not the banana split specifically, but still. And then he directed a third film called London Affair, which is also known as Lola and also known as Twinkie. Uh, and it's, it's, uh, it features, this is the plot. A 38 year old American novelist discovers the difficulties of being married to a 16 year old British girl. Well, yeah, I can tell you what the difficulty might be because one of them's a child. The other one's a grown man. Yeah, and if and if you think that that even sound you know already from that premise you're like what the hell the the thirty eight year old man in question is Charles Bronson. Oh my god! Charles Bronson is married to Susan George, who plays Twinkie. I I have got to see this movie. Oh my I've god! I've got to see this movie. And so Charles Bronson, when famously when Charles Bronson passed away, it was revealed he was quite a bit older than he had put on all those years that he had mm-hmm. said he was. So he was probably like like 50 at that point so you know. I, yeah it, it's, it's just like what of course there's problems because it's completely inappropriate but i gotta see this movie i would just the other thing i will mention about this movie in the cast of uh of london affair is trevor howard oh. who was one of the kryptonian elders so we see that you know he probably donner probably had that in his back of his mind like we you know we hire this guy again Charles, be reasonable. Exactly. Yeah. Guilty. 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 I'm not guilty. I do what I want. <laughs> so then he moved on. I'm doing a bunch of terrible imitations. This episode. So then he went right back to television, did Cades County, a show called The Sixth Sense, Banyan, Ironside, The Bold Ones. He did some TV movies, uh, Streets of San Francisco. Uh, he did a, he directed some Kojaks. Uh, yep. He directed a, uh, a TV movie called Sarah T, Portrait of a Teenage Alcoholic. Uh, with uh, with um, Linda Blair, and that yeah. was actually a v- well-renowned uh, TV movie because it was yeah. apparently fairly, and so and that's that movie's available like today on like Blu-ray and stuff. So again, like here's another thing where like I, you know you wouldn't think Richard Donner would be the guy whose name is on a kind of like after-school special sort of thing, but man, it's like this guy could do anything. I think that movie kind of kicked those type of films off, didn't it? Those after-school so, yeah. special type, even though I think it was a primetime thing. But it kicked off those, you know, you know, issue movies that ex- movies, yeah. exploring teen issues and mm-hmm. kids' issues and things. And I remember, yeah. I remember those. Those were a big deal. Yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, like, again, going from Gilligan's Island to the Banana Splits to Sammy Davis to. Sarah T. Portrait of a Teenage Alcoholic. And all the Westerns that he did. Of course, he did a ton of Westerns early on because that's what was on TV. You know, right. that literally, that was about the only TV show that was on in the early 60s was a Western. So. Yep, yep. <laughs> so then uh, after he does two episodes of a show called Bronk, uh, he then gets his chance to direct The Omen. The Omen is a massive hit. And if you've never listened to Mr. Donner's, I'm calling him Mr. Donner, I'm not calling him Dick. 
Mr. Donner's audio commentary on The Omen. I, I really highly, highly suggest you do. It's a lot of fun. He tells some great stories. He's he's willing to kind of say some bad things about certain people at certain times. Like he's willing to say, oh, that guy was this or that. But um, it's a really – he does really <laughs> great audio content. And that's part of the way – part of the reason that I kind of like really fell for the guy outside of his credits and outside of what he what he did as a director. But his commentaries were so fun that it – and especially – and I've said this again a thousand times in different places – that the commentary he did for Superman with Tom Ankowitz – is my favorite audio commentary of all time because it's like it's like you're it's like the two coolest uncles you never had just shooting the shit about making Superman and they make fun of each other and they tease each other and I am like man it's one of those things where I'm like if I had a time machine one of the things I would do with it would be beam myself back into that room so I could just sit there yeah. and listen to those two guys tell stories because they are so entertaining. Sit in the back of that screening room and oh, just, man, just listen yeah. to them. Yeah, and watch watch the reactions to each other and actually see it. Yeah, oh, it's was, just marvelous. It is. It's 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 fantastic. I mean, it's it's you know, I mean, and, and there's commentary tracks that are so entertaining. They're they're like almost as entertaining as a movie, and then they they elevate the film and and that version of the film and media. And that's definitely one of them. I mean, there's other commentary tracks that are just like make you angry because it's like talk about the damn movie. Yeah, we're talking yeah. about we're talking about whatever the hell you're. This isn't about you know you, you're talking you're not talking about this movie. You're talking about what else? You, and I mean that's okay to tangent some, but but no, they stay on. They talk about I, I like you. I remember you brought it up in the show where you, t- you, you he tells Makowitz that that he needs to just start rewriting a movie all over yeah. again. Uh, he, well, well Mankiewicz, Mankiewicz goes on this great run where he talks about Superman and about that Superman can do anything. And Don, and so he's going on this whole story and Donna goes, no, 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 no. They go to the missiles go too fast for him. No. Then he's like, he's like, you wrote this. You didn't even understand this. <laughs> and, and it's like, you can know he's kidding. And then he just goes, I'm going to reshoot this whole thing. And right. it's, it's so charming. Oh, oh man! Oh, oh my <laughs> lord! It's so fun. It's so. It is just so fun. So it is just really one of the great. Um, and it, and it also is like kind of it's like an informal film school because he talks about camera lenses and talks about John Barry building the sets and the lighting. I mean, it. He not only is it a bunch of fun stories, but he also you know you learn about the making of the movie and like the, these geniuses. Yeah. All these people came to bear. Like I never knew until Tonner said it on the commentary track that when uh, you have the funeral scene with young Clark and, and Ma Kent in the, in the, in Smallville and you see the church in the background, that's not a real building. That's just a false front. Yeah. It's built to scale. And yeah. it, that, thing, that thing was like four feet high. I never yeah. knew that. I thought it was a real building. It wasn't yeah. until Donner said something. I went, Holy shit. That's, that's fake. I never yeah. knew that. Yeah, I mean, there, there's so many secrets revealed in it. It's it's it, it really is. It, it, it's it's like another making of featurette oh, in a lot of ways. It's 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 an audio making of featurette. It's yeah. it's yeah. You can't we can't oversell it because it's nope. just uh, wonderful. It's just and pranking wonderful. Gene Hackman oh, yeah. that, uh, with the must fake mustache. Yeah, this is great. So I mean, yeah. So then he does Superman, and that's it. I mean, at that point, uh, his career is set. Uh, and he would just become, and he would remain one of the preeminent filmmakers of the 80s and into the 90s. And he, of course, he directed a good chunk of Superman 2. Again, we already discussed what happened with, with that film. 
He then moves on to Inside Moves. He wants to make as different a movie as possible from Superman, which he does. And uh, again, if you haven't seen Inside Moves, you can get it. It's on Apple. It's on Amazon. You can get it in a lot. If it's on Blu-ray, you can get a lot of different places. It's a great little movie. Yeah, I think it's. I think I looked the other day. I think it's actually if you've got Prime, it's. I think it's streaming for oh, free. Oh, is this part of Prime? Prime. Oh, wow. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. yeah. Or I mean, maybe it's on HBO Max. It's on one of them. If you're subscribed to it, you. Don't oh, have to you know what? I think you're right. I think you're right. It is. I think on, it's on, I think HBO it's on HBO Max. Max. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. of course, we we mentioned Inside Moves that inside one of the main sets, which is a bar, with a <laughs> Superman pinball machine. Uh, and he, he said did, that was him. That was, that was him. him. Yeah. That was him. Yeah. <laughs> uh, he then went on to the toy. With Richard Donner, which is a, uh, excuse me, with Richard Pryor, so many Richards. Yeah. Um, now that is a film that's not aged well, no. but I will say it was a cable staple when yeah. I was a kid. It played and I watched it endlessly because I didn't really see it for the, the, the sort of subtext that it's probably inappropriate now, but I enjoyed it as a dumb kind of comedy and, you know, and it also has Ned Beatty in it, by the way. Yeah, and it's and it's it's an adaptation of a French film, right? Mm-hmm. So it's like I, I think the connotation yeah. comes from somebody deciding that it was a good vehicle for Richard Pryor. I yep. mean, it's like that that him being a black comedian and actor kind of adds a adds a connotation to it that nowadays doesn't play as well. If if it had been maybe somebody not of color or or you know. Um, so, so yeah, that's, that's, yeah, but it's still, I, I remember, I remember Richard Pryor in a Spider-Man costume. That's, that's right. Thing. That's right. That's the thing. And it's the, 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 one of the kids from a Christmas story too. He's yeah. Ra- uh, yeah. Yeah. The, it's the uh, Schwartz. Schwartz. Yeah. Schwartz yeah. is that kid. Yeah. Yeah. We, yeah. And by, by the way, we are, we are learning every week over on Superman three movie minute that the phrase, this will make a great vehicle for Richard Pryor sometimes can lead you down some, <laughs> some, some dark paths. Um, so then he moved on to do Lady Hawk, which was again another big success. Uh, I like that movie. I like that movie. I like Lady Hawk. I haven't seen it in a long time. But me neither. Me and, me and Cindy uh, watched. I watched that, you know, when I was younger. And uh, then when we started dating, we were talking about movies we liked, and and I remember we were both uh, somehow we come up on Lady Hawk, and I remember we went to the video store and got it and and rented it, and we didn't rent like older movies that often because there were so many new movies to to come out you know really but but uh we i remember us like like on a date night renting lady mm-hmm. hawk and watching it and we both dug it you know it was like it, it held up uh yeah. and, you know i got more out of it as a older teenager than i did as a kid you know uh so yeah that's great cast in that movie too and michelle oh, pfeiffer, Howard, and matthew, michelle pfeiffer yeah. matthew broderick and yeah yeah so. so then he moves on to the goonies another iconic film oh um packed you know. in drive-ins last year i mean the Goonies was like the number one movie uh, again last year uh, because it, like the, every drive-in in America, because there's no theaters open, they were showing the Goonies and it was mm-hmm. like, it, it just like went over like huge all over again. So <laughs> I, uh, I remember the, again, talking about the audio commentaries, he does a, a commentary track for that movie on the, on the DVD with the cast. Uh-huh. They got the whole cast. And, of course, they're all grown-ups now. And it's really, aside from Corey Feldman, who just will not shut up and is, like, super obnoxious. Um, Mouse. It's, yeah, it's really <laughs> charming because he's like their dad. You know? It's like yeah. he's sitting there and he talks to them with that, even though well, they're all grown-up at this point. But he talks to them like he's their dad. Like, he's this sweet, warm-hearted dad. And he's sitting in the center. And you can tell they all just love him to pieces. You know, yeah. they just love him to pieces. It's really sweet. Yeah, I think that, I mean, that comes across in that movie. I mean, I just, that movie's one, I liked it as a kid, and I, but I, I liked it as a kid, but I think 
I've shown it to my kids and, and they've watched it multiple times and we've watched it together over the years. And it's just like, it's, it's just, it's, it's become like a essential family classic, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I, I think it's that way for a lot of people. I think, yep. you know, I think it has, I mean, it's one of those movies that, that families share and pass along. And I, and I could relate to that movie because honestly, other than, uh, you know, I never ran into any pirates or uh, mm-hmm. pirate treasure or, you know, escaped convicts looking for, uh, pirate or treasure, some sort of one-eyed monster guy one-eyed monster guy but we you know me and my friends had crazy adventures like that you know so it, i could relate to it i mean that 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 type of uh that type of film and richard donner's got a really super obvious cameo on in that one when he rides mm-hmm. up on the four-wheeler on the beach at the end of the movie he's one of the cops so <laughs> he cameoed in virtually all of his movies so yeah. it's, it's fun to sort of spot him and i remember when we when I pointed it out, his cameo in Inside Moves, he laughed because he appreciated that I spotted him uh, in the reflection of a, of a, I think it was in a door, yeah, on uh, the door, a car door, and I was like, "Oh, there's our director," and he was like, "Oh, he had that bear laugh." It was great. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and so then he moves on to Lethal Weapon, another incredibly iconic movie. Wow. Uh, which go on? I mean, yeah. Then he then he went into basically the Lethal Weapon business. Yeah. He would end up doing four of these movies. And then after Lethal Weapon, Scrooged, another great movie, another one of my favorites, working with one of my favorite people, Bill Murray. And that's a movie that I still watch. To this day. I watch it virtually every Christmas to this day. I love that movie. I saw it in the theater. I loved it then. I love it now. And you look, look at those movies. Omen, Superman, Inside Moves, Goonies, Lady Hawk, Scrooge, Lethal Weapon. They are all completely different from one another. Oh yeah. I mean, that's it, it, it. They definitely are. And, and with, I've found with Scrooged, I, you know, I'm a big Christmas Carol fan. I yep, love the yep. different iterations of it, but I find a lot of people that is their version of a Christmas Carol. Mm-hmm. They don't, they don't go back to the Alistair Sim version or the Albert Finney version. They go to the Bill Murray version. And to them, that's just a, that's, that's a version, you know, that's, mm-hmm. that's no less an adaptation and it's not really, but I mean, it's, it's obviously more of a changed adaptation. It's moved sure. up to modern day and, and altered, but to them, that's, that's a version of a Christmas Carol. That's the story of Scrooge, you know? Yeah. So uh, even though that's, you know, the story is being adapted in the movie itself, but it's, <laughs> but, and I, you know, it's, it's great. I mean, that, that's fantastic, but there's a lot of people that are just like, now nah, you, you can keep all your stodgy old Dickensian version. I'll take the Richard Donner, uh, Bill Murray versions. So. <laughs> yeah, again, another amazingly iconic uh, film. So he goes, he does Lethal Weapon two. He does an episode of Two Fisted Tales for HBO. Then he did Radio Flyer, which I only have seen one time. I saw it once on cable, and I've not seen it since. So I don't really remember much about Radio Flyer. Yeah, I, I saw it once years ago, and I remembered liking it. And it it has that very, you know, it's kind of got some of that nostalgic feel of like the Smallville scenes yes. of Superman. And I, I remember keying in on that, but I have not seen it since it first came out, probably on video. So right. I need to see uh, it again. Yeah, so he does Lethal Weapon 3. He did a couple episodes of Tales from the Crypt. Uh, in fact, one of, one of the really good ones, Dig That Cat, He's Real Gone. Uh, about uh, with Joe Pantoliano about a guy that uh, can can uh, reincarnate incarnate himself using uh, the spirit of a dead cat, which is really fun. I really like that episode. I love I loved that show at the time. Yeah. Uh, I thought it was, then then he does Maverick. Um, yeah. With uh, with, um, with Mel Gibson, and you know I like that movie, and we can leave aside what we know about Mel Gibson now, but he was very charming at the time. But the thing I remember most about Maverick was Margot Kidder has a cameo in it. 
Yep. And I saw that movie in the theater, and I had known, we had known that Margaret Kidder had had some some uh, issues, some mental health issues, and, and she had was in a bad place. And seeing her in the movie, I immediately went, oh, Richard Donner, that's Richard Donner. He's yeah. giving his old friend a little, you know, a little can And that, it just, it made me like the movie more because I felt that was such a sweet gesture to give Margot Kidder this little cameo. Uh, and, it, you know, clearly that was the work of Richard Donner. It's like, so as much as I liked that movie, and I did like it, James Garner's in it, it was great. Mm-hmm. And, and Jodie Foster, and again, an amazing cast. But I just, I remember just being like, aw, well, I was so happy to see Margot Kidder with like her three lines. Yeah, I remember that too. That was great. And, uh, you know, and, and poor Margo, I mean, the, the, the press was so brutal with her yeah. situation back then. It, it's just, it's, you know, it's, it's awful to think about now. We handle know. things differently now. We wouldn't yeah. be that way now. Yeah, I mean, no, yeah. it wouldn't be. It was, it was, everybody was just so insensitive about it. And, uh, but yeah, that movie was a big hit. Uh, that was a movie that I remember, uh, watching with my parents because they liked the old Maverick TV series. And I remember watching it some as a kid and we all were big fans of James Garner, Rockford files and sure. all the support your local, you know, sheriff gunfighter. Yeah, gunfighter yeah. yeah. All those movies. We love James Garner. And uh, that was probably the first movie my parents had seen Jodie Foster in since freaky Friday, you know, <laughs> <laughs> well, she grew up. It's like, yeah. <laughs> you guys see that lambs movie. It's pretty yeah. good. No, they probably didn't. They didn't see probably that. Not I see had, that. Yeah. 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 But, uh, no, but we all we enjoyed that a lot, and I love the I love that that's got a cool twist in it with uh, with uh, Mel Gibson and James Garner at the end. That's mm-hmm. that's going on a fun. It's a, it's just a really fun movie. That there's a really super super <laughs> obvious but fun Danny Glover cameo in that. Uh, movie. Right, right, right. <laughs> with so lethal weapon tie in. <laughs> that's right. I forgot about that. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> um. So then he went on to do Assassins with Antonio Banderas, and he did Conspiracy Theory with Jodie Foster, Mel Gibson, Lethal Weapon 4. And then he did this movie, Timeline, which I have not seen. I heard is not particularly uh, great. Have you ever – did you see Timeline? No, I wanted to see it, and I, I just never got around to it because I figured, well, I like time travel movies, and I you know, love Richard Donner, so it just never happened. So, yeah. Right. Uh, and then he did his final film, uh, 2006's 16 Blocks with Bruce Willis. And I will say, uh, the, on the premise – uh, you know, um, it was just like this sort of cop thriller. That's not the kind of movie I would have normally seen, but I went to see it in the theater because it was Richard Donner. Richard mm. Donner had not done a movie in three years, and I knew obviously he was getting older. And um, the movie, the movie world was changing, and you know, obviously he was on the on the you know his his glory days of where he was directing these huge iconic hits was over. Uh, but I was like, hey. He wants to make a movie. I love his movies, and I love him to the point that he's earned the he's earned the the, the price of a ticket. So I went to see Sixteen Bucks. It features David Morse, who was in Inside Moves, by the right. way. Mm-hmm. Um, I was the only person in the theater oh. to see Sixteen Blocks, but I enjoyed it. It's an old school cop thriller. It seems very quaint now compared to the sort of high concept that we have to have now. But I actually enjoyed it, and. I plan to review it again, maybe for my other show, Fade Out, because it is now his final film. But I am, I'm happy that I went to see it in the theater because it was solely because Richard Donner directed it. Had anyone else directed it, I wouldn't have bothered. But right. I was like, Richard, 
you got me. Here's my 10 bucks or whatever. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so I think that's the reason I primarily reason I rented it when it came out. Yeah. So, there you yeah. Go. <laughs> um, and so then after that, he pretty much kind of retired. Uh, there had been some talk about doing another lethal weapon movie, but I think he mentioned that, was, that on our show he mentioned it on the show. Yeah. But I think yeah. that was, yeah, that was more about Mel Gibson's peccadillos than it, than anything else. Why that film was probably never going to get made. But uh, yeah. at that point he had sort of just, you know, I mean, he was in his eighties at that point. I mean, good Lord, you know, have, enjoy your life, you know, go and go and enjoy yourself and have fun. And at that point he was kind of in, in a lot of ways, he was sort of in the Superman business where, because, you know, anytime we needed a remembrance of the Superman films, he was your guy and he was always happy to do it. And so he was just this sort of this, this presence uh, in from some of the, you know, great films of the 70s and 80s of our childhood. And he just was around and, you know, he was just kind of this wonderfully comforting figure. And, you know, I don't know, Chris, I we knew that he was, you know, 90 and that's a that's a good long life. But I was always hoping that we would wrap up the Superman movie minute show before we had to do this. Yeah. That we would, we would finish up Superman three and do what else we're going to do on the show, but that Richard would still be out there kicking in, in, in Los Angeles and enjoying his life and being able to appreciate how much people love him and seeing all the tribute and seeing how much his work um, influenced people. I mean, Jeff Johns, obviously, you know, he got involved with Jeff Johns on literally writing some action comics issues. Yeah. He wrote some good Superman comics. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the, (laughs) the guy had the touch. And so it's just, it's one of those things where you say it's it's a great life and a great career. He produced tons of movies. I mean, he was involved. Uh, him and his wife, Lauren Schuler, daughter, were involved to produce the X Men films. Yeah, I mean, for Pete's sakes. I mean, so I mean, just an extraordinary life and an extraordinary career. And you know, again, just the idea that a man who led that life at any point in the in the thread of his life dovetailed with ours is just it's something that uh, I will just forever be proud of. Yeah, definitely. I, I agree. It's, it's, uh, uh, by producing the X-Men films, he, uh, you know, he helped, I mean, he helped usher in this modern age of superhero movies yep. because I mean, you know, they had getting, you know, I mean, after Batman and Robin, <laughs> they were kind of radioactive. I know you had the blade movies, but a lot of people didn't know those were comic book adaptations, yeah. you know, they're not really superhero movies. So with the X-Men movies, I mean, that be, you know, the, 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 the success of the X-Men movies, uh, you know, that begat the Spider-Man films, which, you know, in turn got the the ball rolling on the MCU movies. And, yep. you know, and here we are. So, I mean, it's, it, uh, he, you know, Richard Donner was still, you know, pushing the, the, the genre that he helped birth along. Maybe if he didn't even quite understand, you know, nobody quite understood. But now looking back, you can see that thread. Yep. Uh, you can see that thread through. And yeah, I mean, the fact that, you know, he's, I mean, any, and I think, I, I think you said this, I've heard other people say this too, but any one of the movies we mentioned here would be a feather in a director's cap. If they directed that one film, that would be enough to say, Hey, they directed this, you know, yeah, they directed the Christmas classic Scrooge. They Just directed yeah. Scrooge. They directed the omen. They, you know, but the fact that he directed all of these across all these genres and, and with all of these, these stars, these talented, you know, the, the, these, these people who are legends in their own right too. I mean, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's, uh, it, he had, he had one amazing career. I mean, that's, there's no two ways about it. I mean, it's probably, 
and probably, you know, would go down as, as, as one of the best. I mean, as far as, you know, uh, uh, you know, the, the quality of the films and the, the way they're, they're looked fondly upon, you know, uh, the amount that he, you know, there's, there's, you know, the lack of, of, of a true stinker in a, you know, in amongst all of them. I mean, cause sometimes that's unfortunate. Uh, you know, a lot of great directors somehow have those on their uh, resume for one reason or another, but uh, you know, I mean, obviously not everyone's a Superman, the movie or, or an omen or even the Goonies, but still a lot of great movies there and a lot to, a lot to be proud of. And, and I'm, I'm just proud to say that we got to talk to him. <laughs> yeah. It said it'll always remain as really one of the great moments of my life of getting to talk to him. And, and so, you know, it's, it's sad. And, uh, you know, uh, anytime, anytime someone that, that you love passes away, it's, it's just sometimes you feel, you know, melancholy and, uh, you're sort of watching the passage of time. But again, it's an extraordinarily life, uh, well lived and he, his influence will be felt, you know, in, in, in cinema forever. And, you know, again, like you just said, Chris, even if he only directed just Superman, just that would be enough. It would just be enough to be able to put, uh, but I mean, you know, again, there's a, there's a lot of other fun things to go through and, and look through his career and see what other things you can find. I mean, good Lord, just even go watch the Gilligan's Island episodes for Pete's sakes. I mean, it's, <laughs> it's amazing. So, yeah. um, I mean, I don't know. Is there anything else we want to say before we, before we wrap up here? I would just, uh, I would just say, you know, uh, in the comment section, guys, maybe tell us what's, what's your, what's your favorite Richard Donner film? I mean, it doesn't have to be Superman, uh, favorite TV episode, uh, you know, favorite Twilight Zone episode he directed, mm-hmm. uh, you know, just, uh, let us know, tell us, uh, your Richard Donner, Richard Donner stories. We'd love to, we'd love to, we'd love to read them and, and talk back and forth with you on it. Absolutely. So, so I guess he said that's, that's going to do it. Um, thanks everybody for listening. I think we're going to, uh, we're going to skip all the plugs that we would normally do on the show and we'll just sort of wrap it up here and, and say thank you, Richard Donner. This country is safe against Superman thanks to you. No, sir. Don't thank me, Warden. We're all part of the same team. Night. Night.